Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Broaden Your Perspective podcast, where Johnny Sue, your host, sits down and talks with the individuals I meet along my path as an undergraduate student. Currently, I'm a third year student studying in the science and business program specializing in biochemistry. Waterloo's co-op program gives me the opportunity to do five internships. Join me as I talk with fellow students, professors, entrepreneurs, doctors, athletes, and much more about their journey and experiences. Hopefully, you can learn something from this episode and truly broaden your perspective on life, family, work, whatever it may be. Without further ado, here we go. Ellen, I had a question about kind of your your take on different startups. I remember last time, well, we met over like a startup immersion program that was meant to show us the startup landscape of, of Hong Kong and Shenzhen. But I remember that we were talking about how you enjoyed, you know, working at different startups and that that was something that you wanted to get into, like after you graduate. Like, what is it that interests you so much in startups? And what would you say contrasts startups from like working in a startup to working in like a traditional big bigger company yeah so I think when we met I was working I worked for a year I had a year-long internship with uh, another fintech company that was very small um, right. and I was really enjoying it at that time um, and equally I was very interested in startups because of the innovation element and because I felt that it would be a good place to learn for a first step in my career but equally, I think when you're looking at startups, it's really important to consider the type of startup and the stage of that startup. So it's very different, the interest in a startup that's in a seed stage or is just starting out to a startup that's maybe in series F or has got a lot of uh, investment behind it. And equally, you need to think, about the the concept behind that startup. So do you really love the idea they're pushing for? I think particularly in, in fintech, travel tech, various different startups in the tech world, there's definitely a lot of interesting innovation going on. And I think that's where my, my interest lied. But also in terms of a first step in a career, I felt that going to a fairly established, fast-growing fast-paced startup was a good place where I would learn um I just felt at the first move that maybe going to a larger organization for me perhaps wasn't the best because I love coming up with ideas I love problem solving um, and I felt that maybe in the startup like the one that I joined that I would be able to have those kinds of opportunities and I have had right so earlier you mentioned that you did a research project in Switzerland so can you talk to me a little bit about that? What was the research project about? What was it like? How long were you there for? Like, just talk to me a little bit about that experience of doing a research project in Switzerland. Sure. Um, so I did two research projects in Switzerland. Um, it was part of an initiative from my university, which essentially gave students the opportunity to go out each summer if they wanted to, or if they had a good idea and research about a specific area that was of interest to them or would or that would bring value to the university and to research in general. So I went to Switzerland the first time in my after my second year of study 
um, and I went to go and look at blockchain governance. So I was always interested in kind of marrying politics or international relations, which is what I studied, and tech, which was right. where my interest lies. So the project was about blockchain governance in two senses. And in, uh, in the first instance, about internal governance of a blockchain, like how would you govern something that's decentralized? And secondly, was about how you could use blockchain to create governance. So how could you make internal decisions in a businesses with blockchain? Or how could you make, for example, national level gov- um, government elections with blockchain as well? So that was the yeah. first one. Um, and that was, that was pretty interesting. I mean, I love Switzerland. It's a great country. So it was great to be there for like three or four months. Um, the second project was the summer afterwards. So that was just as I was graduating. So that was about how you would apply an ethical or moral framework to AI. And that was a lot trickier because obviously an ethical framework is very subjective and it's not universally decided. So it was going through some of the the elements that you might want to define in terms of ethics and morals and what sort of level you would define that on. Like, would you define it at a nation state level? Would you define it at an international level? Would you define it, say, like within the European Union or ASEAN? Or would you define it within a company like Facebook? And that definitely was, it wasn't an overly successful project because people are dedicating years to try and like disentangle some of these unknown threats and unknown elements of how we might apply this sort of framework. So it was extremely interesting. I did a lot of interesting reading and read a lot of interesting papers and definitely the most interesting one I've done so far. So so how do those research projects work? I mean, does your school, is it is your school partnered with an organization in Switzerland that has a team that's, you know, working on this research project or are they just like send you over and, and like, like why Switzerland? Like why did they have to send you there? Um, they didn't send me, I just decided to go. So you decide where you would like to do your project. So equally you could just do it sitting at home but if you want to go and do primary research you oh. might, yeah you might need to travel to go and do it so um lots of people went to say like hong kong spain egypt all around the world um and you just decide so both times i decided to go there because i had um people to interview from one of the universities there and researchers working over there switzerland was a very interesting place for both of those areas at the time and I had some good connections there. So that's why I decided it. Wow, that's super cool. And so were these were these topics, did you come up with these topics or did the school like give you a, a table to kind of choose from? Oh, no, I, I came up with them. But actually, both times I came up with ideas that were completely different from what I finally did. So the first time it was completely different and I just decided to change it. And it was absolutely fine to change it. Right. You, you just have to come up with the research title, convince them why it's uh, an important area of research, and then also how you're going to go about this research. So where you might need to travel to, why you would need to go there, what sort of primary and secondary research you're going to do, and what value this would bring. Wow. That's so And the school would sponsor like your travels to different areas? Yeah, my, my university was really good at that. They were very... Uh, well, I was very lucky to get lots of opportunities through my university, but 
I'd say a lot yeah. of universities might be able to do that for students. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds super cool. So, what was the what was the final result from the research project? Did you have to like submit a paper, or what was the what was the final result? There was like um a research poster, so to speak, like a huge kind of poster that you produce. Uh, you can write a paper if you would like to. That kind of pushes it forward even more, and then you can go and speak on it at the university. You can go to different conferences and present your research. Um, so it was really an initiative to push forward research in undergraduates and present that research back and kind of see the value that they could add to the academic world, I suppose. Um, so, you know, you've you've traveled a lot throughout your time as an undergrad, whether that be through the research projects in Switzerland or the internships in Hong Kong or like the, the short immersion exchange program, like the one where we met in uh, Shenzhen in Hong Kong. So like, how did you manage to find all of these opportunities and, and what advice would you have for students that want to, you know, get an international experience or are considering something like studying abroad or doing an internship abroad? Sure. So I went to lots of different fairs. I went to every department where I thought there would be an opportunity. I signed up right. for every newsletter. I made sure I every piece of information that was new would come my way. And I also communicated to my home department and multiple people working at the university that I was very interested in various opportunities around the world. So that meant that, for example, if an opportunity did arise, that they would know that I had an avid interest in that specific area. So I would suggest for people looking to to do whether it be like a study abroad or go and find new experiences is to do loads of research, find out what's going on, what's open to you, because there might be opportunities that are not with your university, but that support university students. For example, in Europe, there's this thing called Erasmus Plus, which is not like Erasmus, which is the exchange program, but it's like a week or two weeks away in another country working on a research project or a, a community project in a different country, which is not from your university, but that's for university students. So make sure you speak to loads of people right. and research and find out all the information possible to see what you could find. And then make sure you're clear on the, the dates and the deadlines for those things. So if you know that, for example, that you have to apply in September to go and do a, a semester abroad, Make sure that before that, you understand all of the options available to, to you. You understand what is required of you. So you go and speak to different professors, speak to people that have done it before and see like what would make you stand out. And then make sure you know all of the different information that's been given out at specific dates. Like if there's a lecture on that specific topic or if there's a lecture telling you how you need to apply and apply within time, obviously. That's like a key thing, but make sure you have these dates in yeah. your head so that you don't miss these opportunities because it's, su it's super easy to miss them if you're not paying attention. Um, you need to build yourself up to be someone who would be desired for them to send. So if, for example, you have experience already living in a different country or you've been taking an extra module at university around a specific area that would make you a good candidate to go. So say if you wanted to go to China, and you took up an extra module around, I don't know, 
Chinese tech industry or actually learning Chinese, that might make you like a, a more like more of a convincing case for them to send you. And equally, if you have experience working and living in different countries, that's a great, a great way for them to send you. And making sure that you constantly communicate this to people in your department and people who also could help you out. So maybe there's an innovation lab at your university, or maybe there's a specific department that helps people travel, and you make sure that you constantly are in contact with them. So also, I'd say if you wanted to find an opportunity, but your university didn't have any opportunities, would be to create the opportunity yourself, which is a bit harder mm. to do. Really. But say if there's nothing possible, you don't want to do a, a year abroad, like in the UK, like where you had to take an extra year, or if there isn't any opportunities at the moment, is maybe you find a way to make that opportunity. So you come up with work that you could be doing abroad or something that would bring value to your university and you try and convince your home department that this is a good idea for example because in universities there's always chances for students to create innovations so they can create for example like a, a group or like a, a society that could be targeting on a specific country or a specific industry and with that you might receive funding from your university or equally you personally could receive funding to go and do research or work abroad. Um, so that would require a bit more creativity, I suppose, but I know lots of people that have done it and been very successful in that. Right. So throughout your time, you know, you've been spending a lot of time um, abroad and in international areas during your undergrad career. So I know you've been in and out of Asia a few times now. So what what are some of the things that you like about Asia the most or some of the things that you dislike it? Like, was, would that be somewhere that you want, that you see yourself working in full-time in the future or? Yeah, I really love Asia. Like I've been, I suppose, not too many countries there. I was obviously in India, Hong Kong, China, South Korea. Um, I've really loved my time specifically in Hong Kong. I think it's an absolutely amazing city it's probably my best city to live in actually I think there's so much variety there I loved the food I loved the culture I loved all of the different opportunities the nature like it was just so interesting and I think each time that I've gone and I've stayed there for some time I've definitely learned something valuable like when I was in India for some time I think I really learned a lot from from the different people that I met there that has really sort of carried me through. Like I still remember it now and I still think it had a very positive impact on me. Equally, when I uh, went right. to Hong Kong and China, definitely there were certain lessons that I learned, I think, from people and some of the cultural elements as well that I kind of really admired and took on board. Um, I just think it's a really great experience. I mean, I would love to go, for example, to live in Singapore. That would be fantastic. Um, but yeah. I think there's a lot of... Singapore's great. I can vouch for it. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of opportunities. Um, things I don't like. There's not many things I don't like, to be honest. I suppose Hong Kong, if you've ever stayed or lived in Hong Kong, is space. There is no space in Hong Kong. So mm. it's very... You definitely feel it, especially if you go shopping. You will love Hong Kong until you have to go shopping. And it's such a nightmare. Damn. 
because there are just so many people it's so hot and there's no space which for someone coming from a country where there's quite a lot of space is for it can be you know after a while after a few months it can kind of start to grate on you I suppose um sometimes I suppose the the temperatures out there so when I was in India like it was super hot and super crowded Mm. and it would only in southern India though but it was very hot and crowded so it definitely sometimes for I think for living and working there might have been a bit of a challenge for me at times but I, I think those are the only things really I mean I love I love Europe and I love traveling around Europe but I also really appreciate so many things from the cultures and the lifestyles of, of the people out there so I, I love it really yeah I would say that my my view on what it's like to be in Hong Kong and Shenzhen is probably super skewed because my only exposure to those areas was like the week that we spent in Hong Kong and the week that we spent in Shenzhen. And like, I wrote a little bit about this um, on the article that I posted on LinkedIn, but like we were taken care of really well. I mean, from the hotels we stayed at, we had like coach buses, like taking us from point A to point B. So like my, my view on what Hong Kong is like is, is probably totally different than if I was to live there for like a year and be in like a student dormitory or like own an apartment in Hong Kong which I don't even know if, if it's possible. I heard it's like ridiculously expensive there. Um, yeah, what, what would you say was like the coolest thing for you during that uh, little two-week immersion program that we had? Um, yeah, no, definitely just to kind of echo that, we were really looked after so well yeah. and I was very grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, all through my university experience, as I kind of touched on, I was very lucky I was extremely lucky but especially that program where we spent one week in China so we went to kind of like Tencent headquarters which was a huge highlight for me I loved the uh, karaoke machine I spent a lot of time there Um, (laughs) (laughs) the showroom was crazy that they had there oh my god it's like an amusement park what the heck I love that I don't think I listened to the talk at all I just was in the karaoke room for a good hour (laughs) um but definitely we were treated so well and my goodness the food was so good we we got some amazing food um and I really enjoyed for example meeting everyone there and meeting all the different mentors that we did I feel like the group itself was kind of a highlight because it it meant that we met people from all around the world that were interested in a similar area and I've been meeting people, as I said, from there and speaking with them still. So that's super, like a nice thing to take away. Um, Other than Tencent headquarters, I would say I just love being back in Hong Kong and some of the startup innovation labs that we went to go and see. The MIT Innovation Lab in particular, that was a highlight. I felt like that was a really good talk. It was such a good talk we listened to. The guy was really great to hear to his experience and everything. and. It was just really enjoyable, the whole thing. But the hospitality was at a next level. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, like, yeah, no, we, we were in, put in amazing hotel rooms, which I think it was Hong Kong Polytechnic that covered it. So they were kind of one of the pro, uh, universities that hosted the program. So they covered that. We had coach buses take us from everywhere. Like when the first day we got there, they gave us like SIM cards that had data on it so we could just, you know, roam and use data. They even gave us, because we, we were like near uh, 
like the campuses. Mm-hmm. So they gave us like meal plans loaded with money on it. So we just eat and did whatever we want. Like it was, it was great. Yeah. And like to give a bit of background story of the Tencent headquarters, like I don't even remember like what was that a showroom that they had because it was literally like an amusement park. Like I think that do they it take like clients there? Like I was so confused why they even had that. I just don't know. I was very confused at the whole thing, but I thought it was great. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was just to take people around. Um, but I wasn't really sure whether it was just for fun or what it was for. But it was. I thought it was amazing. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, I guess it was like a showroom for all the tech and stuff that they were doing. I mean, they had yeah. a karaoke room. They had like a like an AR simulation of you like in a like a news channel host. Oh, they even had that uh remember they had like that air hockey table where it was like try to beat this programmed air hockey arm in a in a game of air hockey yeah. and it was like impossible to beat. Like they had like crazy stuff like that and like a movie theater like just sitting just like a massive like theater in the in the middle of the office it was so cool it was amazing and also I can't remember the name of the place where we went to but it was like the smart city place and the smart home place where they had like the the mirrors where you could kind of tell everything about yourself like it would read you and then it would tell you all the information for the day on the mirror and it was like super cool I can't remember the name of the place Oh, I think it was Mydea or M-Idea or however you pronounce it. I was love that, that. That was a place, right? Yeah, yeah, they had some really cool like home tech. Like their fridge was insane. I think it was like released on the market already, but they had this like super high tech refrigerator that basically had a massive iPad on the cover of the fridge. And it would tell you like keep track of like the expiration dates of all the products in there. If you wanted to cook a specific meal, that iPad would show you like what ingredients you currently have stocked in the fridge to make whatever whatever it is you want to make and how many portions you want to make. Like, like that was mind blowing to me because to be honest, before going on this trip, I had a lot of preconceptions on like what China would be like in terms of, you know, the startup world and the tech that they had. But I was mind blown to see all the crazy stuff that they've been working on. So. Oh, same. Great, and great experience. And even when we were kind of going from place to place, when we went from one province to the next in about 30 minutes on the trains, I was just blown away with how efficient, how quick everything was and how advanced everything was in terms of tech. It was insane. Yeah. And just one last thing I want to mention about the Tencent headquarters. I think it was on like the 36th floor or something crazy. They had like a, remember the badminton courts? They had like a badminton and a basketball court just like on the 50th floor of the headquarters and like ping pong tables and like rock climbing walls. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I spent way too much time in the karaoke room because I don't remember this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't. Yeah, no, we we went up. They're like, yeah, so this is our like employee like break room. And we're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, the break rooms that I've been into have like a coffee machine, like a TV in there. And they just like, it was like a whole floor of like a basketball court, badminton courts, ping pong tables, a, a rock climbing wall, like a mini go-kart track. Like it was insane. But yeah, super um, cool stuff. I feel like I need to go back now. Like this is a round two trip I need to have <laughs> just to go back to that. Because I don't remember that yeah. yeah, and all their doors had like facial recognition technology. Like yeah. it was just they'd scan your face or like scan your retina or whatever and you'd just be led into rooms. Like it was crazy what they had in the in that office. What about your highlights? Um, oof, mine. 
I think it was definitely visiting hacks that accelerator that we went into because mm -hmm. they were at, at the time, I don't know what the relationship is like now, but at the time that accelerator, one of their companies like in their portfolio or that they were working with was actually from Waterloo. And mm -hmm. it was just like mind blowing to me to see like the, the globalization of how this entrepreneurship or this like startup landscape works. Cause you have this, you know, what I thought was just a small time company or startup in Waterloo that had connected with this, you know, big time accelerator in Sinzen. It was like mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. And like, I think the, the pace of things that they do things there is just insane. I remember the lady was giving us a tour of the space and remember how we had to go up, like it was like eight floors. Like the, the accelerator was on like the ninth floor, but like from floor one to eight, it was just a marketplace of all of the raw materials that you could possibly need to build any sort of tech, like metal, copper wires, different frames, stuff like that. And so like they would just build things like crazy, like the, the iteration cycle. I, I think the, the guy from uh, the MIT innovation node talked about it, how like fast things work in, in Hong Kong and since, and like they just build, 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 build. And if it sticks in the market, then it sticks, but they just build like crazy. So I think that was definitely a highlight for me. Yeah, no, it was cool. Um, so like th throughout all of your like diverse experiences that you've had, I know this is kind of one thing that a lot of people tend to focus on, especially nowadays is like, you know, figure out what your passion is and do what you're passionate about and you'll achieve this abstract thing called happiness for your life. Do you think, mm -hmm. you know, through all of your global experiences, the internships you've worked at, do you think you figured out where your passions lie and what you might want to do, not even as a career path, but just like uh, a company or a specific industry that you'd want to work in in the future? Like, would you be happy working at 11FS Consulting like for the rest of your life? Do you feel like you found your passion yet? Or So it's a good question because everyone, I think, that starts their career in the first year or two is just kind of thinking, oh my gosh, what next? Because you might think that you know what you want to do, but you're always constantly thinking like, is this, what? what's next for me? Like, what skill am I going to learn? What do I really want want from life? Um, so I've, I've kind of done a, a fair bit of reading around the area because I just, I changed my mind quite a lot in terms of things that I'd say were like my long-term goals because it's quite hard to know at this age what what you want to do long term I think definitely I will stay right. in tech. like I'll always probably want to be in tech I just I think that's where one of my passions lie but I think what's more important um, and I've been reading a lot around this area is that you build kind of career skills and career capital that can be transferred so it can be transferred if you stayed sure. at the same company all your life so if I Say, for example, you wanted to stay at the same company, but you wanted to move into different areas or move your way up. But equally, just gaining career capital. So those key skills, that key network that can be transferred to to make sure that you're always clear of what like your your long term goals are. So I really don't know other than knowing that I want to to be in tech as I am now. Um, right. But I think long term, I mean, I'd like to be, I'd like to have some really positive, good influence on a very important sphere that's very important to me. I think it's very important that you care and that you have a huge passion towards 
whatever you're working towards. So whether it is fintech or whether you're interested in uh, medical research or whether you're interested in astrology, whatever it is that you really care about right. it so, and that you try and work towards that passion and you use your skills to try and work towards that as well. So the moment for me, it's about gaining what um, would be called career capital, which uh, a blog, which is called 80,000 hours. So that's just like the number 80,000 hours. Um, okay. What they on, which is about kind of how you would direct your career and make sure that you make don't make the wrong decisions and make sure that you kind of just as it goes you build the right skills to make you ready for whatever you would like right so another thing that's kind of been on my mind is like what's the transition like from being in university and then graduating and then kind of uh being in this full-time position because I feel like for myself, and this was probably accelerated even more for you, just of how much uh, global and international experiences you've had is like, at least in university, like every four months, there's always something new, right? It's like, whether you're in school, whether it's a new internship, whether you're doing a study abroad, you're doing a research project, whatever it is, um, at least for me, like, I feel like every four months, there's always something new happening. And I just like, I don't want to say I worry about it, but it's definitely something that's on my mind where it's like, you know, after I graduate, like, there's no way I can go work at a company for like five months and be like, hey, you know what? I want to try something else. See ya. And, you know, keep popping from company to company. But like just the thought of going from such a sudden dynamic uh, where it's like every four months, something's changing and there's something different to a, you know, full time, long term position where I'm in this company for a definite number of time. Like, what was that transition like for you? Did you find it hard to switch your mindset from this, you know, every four months or this dynamic thought process of something's changing very often versus, you know, now you're all of a sudden you're being put in this long-term uh, full-time position? Like, what was that process like for you? One thing I definitely noticed when I was moved from studying to working is you get tired really quickly, which sounds really funny, but... People often will ask you, have you reached that point yet where you just get exhausted all the time? But it's because you're just kind of processing so much information. And I suppose if you're working in certain industries, say, for example, if you're working in investment banking, then definitely it's going to be you're going to feel the, the strain on you, I think, straight away. Um, you just start feeling extremely exhausted because you're learning so much information in such a short amount of time. And it's such a different dynamic from when you're studying and it's, and for example, you're kind of sitting down all day or you're in different seminars to suddenly working. So that was one like transition that I noticed. Um, you have to really, as you say, like before you have the opportunity for everything to change every few months. I remember at university, even in my final year, I was meeting someone new, like every, at least every week, every few days I was always meeting someone right. new. always different new things were happening you could change quite a lot quite quickly but you really have to make that change for yourself I suppose when you start working like depends on the nature of your work but you definitely have to if that's what you love doing is meeting people you have to be going out to networking events a lot or you have to be learning new skills a lot or you have to put that extra amount of effort in to make sure you have that kind of diversity in your life that you had during university. Um, right. I wouldn't say there's, I personally find that there's in my own work, a lot of variety because obviously I work in consulting and 
I'm working with lots of different clients around the world. So I always have that kind of diversity in my work. But you definitely have to be very patient because in university, if you don't like something, like if you don't like a module, you can just change it or you could change it at the end of the semester. It's not the end of the world. You have to learn how to be extremely patient in your career because, as you say, you don't want to start somewhere and five months later say, "Okay, guys, I've I've learned everything. Off I go. You really have to. You have to start. See (laughs) See you later. I'm gone. You have to really learn. That, that patience in the beginning of your career and that with that time to let you grow because walking into a company, especially if you walk into a company which is very well established with people that have been there for maybe 20, 30 years as some companies have or being a company where everyone around you is extremely experienced. If you walk in and you decide five months later that you want to leave or that you want to move up then you really have to to show your skills you really have to demonstrate that commitment and demonstrate that you are doing your work to a very high standard for example things won't come as as you as you expected because you know if you're if you're 20 21 and you're starting your career or however old you might be there's definitely that kind of time where you have to learn you have to kind of learn the ropes you have to learn from those experienced around you and you can't expect change immediately. You really have to be patient and be extremely good at your job, which is probably the main thing in the beginning. Right. right. Cool. Okay. So before I go to my last question, do you want to just share with the audience a little bit more about where they could find more information about you or how they could contact you? If they want to ask you any questions or whatnot. Um, so my LinkedIn is Ellen May Humphreys. I'm sure Johnny will drop it in the the notes at the bottom. Um, I don't have Twitter and I'm always being told that I should get Twitter because it's a very good resource. But um, those are the only ones that I really ever use. Yep, for sure. I'll definitely leave links to those down in the description below. So my final question, if you could write anything on an online post that you could be sure everybody in the world would be able to see it, what would you want to write and why? I feel like I would want to write about a specific area in AI which would have a really positive impact um, globally. But I feel like at this moment in time, I definitely, I 100% know I do not have the knowledge and skills and research to be able to write that. I think I would, the reason I would write on that specific area is because there's a lot of confusion and there's a lack of concrete research globally that we can draw on currently because we just don't know what's going to happen specifically Um, and it's such an important area that's going to affect our lives in the future but part of the issue is kind of disentangling a lot of those unknown problems or unknown fears that people have Um, so I'd like to kind of I'd love to be able to have such knowledge base to research on that area and draw in lots of research to inform others and potentially inform research that could could help towards specific industries. But as I say, at this point in time, there's no way on earth I could write that. Um, if I was going to write it anywhere, it would be a blog post. Or I think a really good way to kind of digest information for everyone to understand is on YouTube. Um, I personally mm. love YouTube for getting information as well because I'm very visual. 
but that's where I'll probably write it. Sweet. Amazing stuff. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me here today on another episode of the Broaden Your Perspective podcast. The Broaden Your Perspective podcast is meant to be a platform for anybody who has a story to share. If you want to come on the podcast for an episode to talk about your journey and experiences, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening through. I would greatly appreciate that. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Sue. That's J-O-N-N-Y underscore H-S-U. And to follow the Broaden Your Perspective podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and Facebook.